0: All right, let's get it. It is another edition of Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad to have you aboard with us. You can hear me every weekday afternoon, 104.5 ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge, uh, ESPN Radio New Orleans, Alexandria, and our TV simulcast on Cox Sports Television. So thanks for being here. We'll get to your questions in the mailbag a bit later. Uh, John Brady visited with the former LSU coach about uh, this LSU basketball team. We'll preview the game with St. Mary's on Saturday night, uh, ten o'clock Central Time tip. Uh, it's a game out in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. So we'll talk about that, uh, and we'll start here though with a little LSU football news, both current and past. Uh, the current news: LSU continues its preparation for the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Day uh, against um, against Central Florida. Uh, interestingly enough, the uh, you know earlier in the week we talked about the the uh, interest level in this bowl game. And why there's probably why the the players and the coaches and there's maybe more excitement for this game even if maybe fans aren't traveling. But how I I really felt like LSU uh, the players and the coaches would be completely locked into this ball game, and I do I do very much believe that uh, for a lot of the reasons we talked about earlier in the week that uh, LSU hasn't been in a a power five, in a um a, a a New Year's six game yet in the uh, in the in this current playoff format this era uh, the fact that you know, it's just, it's a um, it's an opportunity for LSU to play in a Fiesta Bowl, a bowl game they've never been in before. There's uh opportunity to win 10 games, UCF, their 25-game win streak, all that stuff. Well, it was interesting because I did see that uh, Mike Neely, who's the executive director of the Fiesta Bowl, was on the Feinbaum show on Thursday, and uh, he was even surprised by some of the lack of um, interest uh, in the game. Not... Not nationally, but from fans as far as ticket sales go. Uh, The quote from Mike Neely, The ticket sales are even, which surprised me. I thought LSU would be a little stronger. We'll have a full stadium, but I don't think we're going to sell it out. The airlines don't do us any favors. End quote. And I I retweeted that, and some of you have pointed out that some of the airlines increased ticket prices uh, from Baton Rouge out to Phoenix Uh, the day the game was announced. that certainly is disappointing, but it's also disappointing to see that the ticket sales uh, have been even. As I mentioned before, I do think LSU will end up with more fans, um, but in in large part because of a West Coast LSU alum that will will make the trip to Phoenix or that to that area for the ball game. I just think tickets, sa- and I also believe that when you look at the secondary market, that's going to influence things a lot as well. Whereas you can go through LSU and you can buy good seats in the LSU section through the the LSU allotment. I think a lot of fans are going to choose, maybe because this might be a, a costlier bowl game, that some fans are going to choose to go to the secondary market where, you know, the get in price for the Fiesta Bowl is going to be much cheaper, quite honestly, than what you'd pay face value. I, I think you, you you would be able to get um get Cheaper tickets, even good tickets, the closer you get to the game. Uh, if you just check out StubHub right now and you look at at seats, you know, I, I look at sideline seats right now, like fifty-yard line seats, as low as two hundred and fifty-five bucks. If you want to go sit in the upper deck in the end zone, you get tickets for eighteen dollars <laughs> on StubHub. So you know, the point is, man, um, you the get-in cost is going to be much less expensive. Uh here's a sideline seat behind the LSU bench for 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 $104. That's on StubHub. So I I I think that's in part why you're seeing slower ticket sales right now um through the the uh, through the the, the schools. Uh, end zone seat in the lower level for 58.99 as I check StubHub right now. I mean that that tells the story right there. You can get in cheaper through the secondary market than buying through the schools, which I think is what you're seeing why those ticket sales might be a little bit slower right now. Uh, as for the team, they continue their practice. LSU on the field for the third consecutive day on Thursday. Most notable is that Justin Jefferson was absent, of course LSU's leading wide receiver. Uh, they practiced at the indoor facility. Uh, it was awful weather in Baton Rouge on Thursday. No, um, no word on an injury or anything like that from Jefferson. Uh, who really knows this time of year? Sometimes the guys just need to miss a day, skip a day, get right if there's something going on. I mean, finals are done now, so school isn't really. Uh, and any you know impediment for these guys? It's all you know, all on board, you know, full full steam ahead for um for the bowl game. But uh, Justin Jefferson was notable. Um, also, uh, Ed Alexander missed his second consecutive practice, and this isn't uh, a great surprise because he's been able to play a whole bunch this year, but he's missed a lot of practice time uh, be- just because of that that lingering knee issue. And you'd assume that's what this is. A couple of other notes from practice on Thursday: Uh Kerry Vincent was in a non-contact jersey. A Kelvin Joseph was not at practice, so because they were short on 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 cornerbacks, remember no, no Greedy Williams, no Christian Fulton. As we all know, that means Cameron Lewis, who's a safety, actually ran through drills with corners. So that's that's my point about this game. I I believe if you go look, the the best pass defense Central Florida's faced all year is Temple. They're seventh in the country, but they're an awful run defense. So it's one of those things where teams loaded up against the run and maybe didn't throw it quite as much against Temple because they could run it. But this will be, even without Fulton and Greedy, this is still going to be the best compilation of talent in the secondary Central Florida will have faced all year. With Kelvin Joseph, with Kerry Vincent, with um, Terrence Alexander, with uh, Grant Delpit, and John Battle, it's still going to be the best defensive backfield that Central Florida will have seen all year. The problem is, there's no depth after that. Now you're talking about... About you know, moving Cam Lewis from safety to corner, Manny Netherly, who's a converted wide receiver. I mean that those are those are your next options. So while I think LSU's first line is going to be good, they just they can't afford an injury anywhere in the secondary um, in that bowl game. All right, it is uh, locked on LSU, your team every day. Glad to have you aboard with us here. Um, we'll knock out our first little break when we come back. A great night for, uh, for Daryl Williams. I want to tip my cap to the former LSU Tiger who scored on Thursday Night Football for the Chiefs. And uh, also John Brady, former LSU basketball coach, um, talked about LSU's disappointing loss against Houston and also previewed the game against St. Mary's in Las Vegas on Saturday night, which is a massive game for this LSU basketball team. It is Locked on LSU, your team, every day.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: We continue on a Friday edition of Locked On LSU, your team, every day. Glad to have you board with us. Uh, LSU Hoops is getting ready for a game on Saturday night, which, as we've talked about, is it's just a massive game. And it's not that St. Mary's is a... Um, it's not that Saint Mary's is a dominant college basketball team. Uh, they've certainly been a very good program with a coach that's been there for almost twenty years and runs his system and has veteran players. And we know, like, they've plucked plenty of players from um, from Australia, be it Patty Mills or Matthew Dellavedova. We, we, you know, what they are—they're uh, a team that's going to live and die by the three. Uh, and and this has been an up and down season for Saint Mary's. They're seven and four. Uh, they started out 3-0, and they lost four in a row, including a game uh, to Mississippi State, uh, and then they won four in a row. So they beat Cal, Bethune-Cookman, New Mexico, and uh, Fullerton in, in their last four outings. So this isn't a great St. Mary's team. They're a veteran team that shoots really well. Again, LSU is going to be more athletic than St. Mary's. They're just going to be a better, you know, ta- a more talented team um you know, the ESPN matchup predictor gives St. Mary's about a 55% chance of winning the game so it's a virtual coin flip um it's out in in Las Vegas neutral site game I don't think either team is going to have an overwhelming crowd advantage I think the crowd certainly helped Houston on uh, on Wednesday night there at the Fertitta Center but this is a game where LSU needs to win uh, you know St. Mary's their net rating right now is in the 70s it's not for that reason it's because the more you miss opportunities like this, the, as we talked about earlier in the week, the more it shrinks your margin for error when you get into conference play. The saying goes, "You know, a, a good win offsets a bad loss. Well, LSU doesn't have a good win yet. They had a chance for one against Florida State, and they blew it at the end. They had a chance for one against Houston on the road against a ranked team with a net rating of 14, and they, they blew a 15-point second-half lead. If you get those two wins, those would potentially offset any bad loss in the SEC, but you didn't get those wins. So now you don't really have the luxury of of a bad loss. You need resume builders at this point. We've talked about it. LSU is talented enough to be an NCAA tournament team, but eventually you're going to have to produce on the floor, and you just haven't left yourself a ton of these opportunities left. So you've got St. Mary's, then you've got Furman coming to the PMAC, which is actually a ranked basketball team right now. Their net is 34, uh, about four, five, uh, five, six spots ahead of LSU. Um, so you got an opportunity in these next two games, but you got to win. It's Will Wade said it after the game on Wednesday. Said it's you know I, I, learning lessons are great, but at some point we got to start winning ball games. And you know his team's learning from these these close losses, but it, you, you got to start turning them into W's. And you got a great shot on Saturday night. It's a 10 o'clock Central Time tip. On ESPN U, if you want to stay up and watch the ballgame, you can, of course, listen to it as well on the LSU Sports Radio Network, where you'll find Chris Blair and former LSU Tiger head coach John Brady, who I had a chance to talk with about a lot of things. If you want to hear that full interview with Coach Brady, uh, you can log on to 1045ESPN.com or however you're listening to this podcast, just search 1045ESPN Baton Rouge uh, and you'll see my interview with John Brady from Thursday. And uh, I asked him about a couple things. that I wanted to play for you here, most notably what he's looking for in the St. Mary's game. But I started by asking Coach Brady about LSU's offense, which, look, went to Houston, scored 76 points again, and not having an efficient day, still scored 76 against a team that had not allowed 70 all year. But even still, it looks like there's just been a lack of continuity and structure at times within the LSU offense. So I I started by asking him here about LSU's offense
1: my response to all of that uh, is there's no exact right way to, to play offense same way with football. I suppose there's different uh, philosophies and ideas about how you want to get points on the board, same way with basketball. Uh, But I do think there's, there, 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 there are some players that need probably less freedom than others, Uh, more specific areas of the floor to play where they can show their strengths and not be exposed to their weaknesses by floating out and being on the floor and trying to put the ball on the deck when maybe they shouldn't. Um, you know, I, I, that's how I feel about offense. I, I think effective offense is is putting players in a situation not to expose their weaknesses, but to really concentrate on the strengths they bring where they're most comfortable on the floor. And I think that makes for good offense. and, and, you know, I, I you know, I, I would, I think, I think our team is going to involve in more ball movement and more player movement, and I, and I think eventually some players that are getting some minutes, the minutes may cut down and probably get to more of a core of eight guys uh, that that he can rely on to do what he needs to do, um, and I think that's what you're going to see. Uh, that's what I anticipate seeing, and and we'll just see how it, it, it unfolds, but. But you know, this is a young group. They're a talented group. They've got to go through some things. They've got to experience some things. And the key is keeping them together and keeping their heads up, and encouraging them along the way. You know, I've I've been one that's been guilty of beating up guys too much, and 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 I think I learned it better as I moved along. But and and Will Wade's not afraid to beat a guy up either. But I think I think this team right now needs to see where they they are getting better. They can get better. Uh, and ho- still holding them accountable at the same time, and I think that's what what Wheel's going to
0: do. It's weird, Coach, because you've always been so nice to me. I just can't imagine you being mean to people and beating people up like that, you know. But <laughs> all right, before we let you go, um, and, and I'll, I'll let you get back to the Bellagio, or whatever it is you're doing there in Vegas before Saturday night. Um, with specifically with the St. Mary's game, give give me something specific. Then you, you talked about off. Of, give me something specifically you'd like to see Saturday night against uh, against St. Mary's.
1: I'd like to see more ball movement, more player movement, uh, uh, more ball screens, more screens away from the ball and less ball screens on the ball. Uh, And then defensively, I don't mind their thrust defensively, what they're doing. I'd like to see us really control the board and finish the defensive possession by blocking out and getting the rebound and limiting the other team to second shots.
0: 18 offensive rebounds on 36 misses for Houston last night. That's um that's tough. That's
1: uh, 50% right that's... there, if, you know, just another attempt. So you, that, that's what I'd like to see. And if they can do that, you know, I, I've always thought if you can defend it and you can rebound it and you can defend it without fouling, you can keep the game workable regardless of what kind of offense you're playing or running. And and you're right. We stumbled around and got 76 on the road in a hostile environment against a top 25 team. If you would have told me before the game the Tigers are going to put up 76, I would say our chances of winning are really, really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... I look at that and then you look at Florida State, ranked team, like you're you make a free throw at the end of the game and and you beat that team at a neutral side. It's just they've been so close to these marquee wins and they missed them and so it just has a completely different... the, The season has a completely different feel. The complexion feels different right now. It's just like They're ready to break through, but they just got to finish one of these. Here's hoping they can get it on Saturday night. Um, John Brady. Yeah, go ahead, Coach. I
1: I don't want people to get too ahead of themselves with this team. I know some expectations have been allowed to accumulate. So, you know, maybe uh, they weren't ready for it yet, but I think they're going to be ready for it as we move along.
0: Again, you can hear a full conversation with John Brady uh, a good 11, 15 minutes worth at uh, 1045ESPN.com in the uh, on-demand section under after further review or uh, just by searching 1045 ESPN Baton Rouge, however you're listening to to uh, to this podcast. Uh, all right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day, brought to you by Sling TV, sling.com slash locked on, sling.com slash locked on. All the channels you want, none of the channels you don't. Tired of paying for channels you don't watch? Don't do it anymore. Uh, Sling TV is your option. If you've been considering cord cutting, Here's your chance, sling.com slash locked on for a free seven-day trial. Bowl season starts this weekend. Great opportunity. Watch all your bowl games on your TV or your device via sling TV. Sling.com slash locked on for your free seven-day trial, sling TV. Okay, we'll knock out our final little break here on, uh, on Locked on LSU. When we come back, got to give a tip of the cap to former Tiger Daryl Williams, and we will get to your mailbag questions. Hang around. Okay, coming down the home stretch here on another edition of Locked on LSU, your team every day. Get to your mailbag questions uh, here in just a quick second. Again, you can always tweet your mailbag questions anytime. You don't have to wait for me to ask for them. At Matt Moscona or at Locked on LSU. The better place to tweet them is probably at Locked on LSU on Twitter. If you go follow that account, tweet uh, questions at Locked on LSU or at me at Matt Moscona. Uh, I'll get to them uh, every day here at the end of the podcast. Wanted to give a, a tip of the cap. To former LSU Tiger Daryl Williams, who um who scored a touchdown on Thursday Night Football for Kansas City against the Chargers, a fantastic game in which the Chargers were down 14 with like four minutes to go, uh, came back and won it, uh, converted a two point conversion with four seconds left to go for the win instead of the tie. I, I love, by the way, I love that. Um, I I love the the Moxie just to, to go for it and not not leave it up to chance in overtime of you know losing a coin toss and then your offense never seeing the football. Uh, go. Drop a play, get three yards, and and win the game. Uh, and I love that they did it, and, I, and I'm glad that it worked out for, for for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think I might have said San Diego. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith did it. Um, but Darrell Williams scored the second touchdown of the game for Kansas City and felt really good for Darrell Williams. Man, he's a guy that uh, went undrafted, uh, eked out a roster spot for Kansas City on the 53, but really wasn't playing and then obviously Kareem Hunt got into his off the field issues and was was cut by the Chiefs and then Spencer Ware another LSU tiger suffered an injury and was out so it's elevated Darrell Williams to have an opportunity to actually contribute so he his his touches were minimal uh he only had two carries for 13 yards and then two catches for 9 yards but he did have the the touchdown reception um in uh in the uh in the first quarter, which gave Kansas City its its fourteen 0 nothing lead. And I just I guess I think about Darrell Williams and it's a great story of perseverance. Of course he signed with LSU out of John Eric uh in and, and uh you know he came in with um with Leonard Fournette and was overshadowed. And then Geis came behind him and he was basically he was basically the the guy who was playing second fiddle to um to great running backs at lSU and uh was just overshadowed his entire career but ultimately uh, went, went undrafted but but he recommitted himself and dedicated himself before his senior year where he he lost a bunch of weight there's the stories about how you know teammates used to call him fat daryl he lost the weight. Um, he had a really productive senior year where he carried it 145 times for 820 yards and nine touchdowns, averaged 5.7 yards a carry. Became a a solid contributing back uh, when undrafted, and I think the the reasons are somewhat obvious because you know, Daryl Williams doesn't have just just honestly just doesn't have the explosiveness or dynamic playmaking ability that the other guys like Geis and Fournette do. But he's a steady player and he played special teams and he, and and can contribute. I I hate to use the cliche, but he's very workmanlike. You know, brings the lunch pail, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it felt good for Darrell Williams to be able to, to get on the field, to wait his turn, and to get into the end zone on Thursday night for the first time in his NFL career. So congrats to Darrell Williams on his first NFL touchdown. Here's hoping there are many more to come. But right, it is Locked on LSU, your team, every day. always like to wrap up with mailbag uh, when you have questions. Um, a couple of them coming in via email. Um, as well, you can email me, Matt, at 1045ESPN.com. One was asking about potential staff changes at LSU, and so many have asked about um, about Steve Ensminger. And my my answer on that has been consistent. Uh, I don't think Steve Ensminger is going to be fired, nor should he be fired. Um, I, I would not rule out the possibility of him retiring or stepping down, I, but I don't know that. But I do think there will be staff changes. I, I, I cannot. I literally cannot remember a year ever where the entire coaching staff returned, all nine full-time assistants, now ten full-time assistants, returned intact. So you got to you got to consider the early December signing period, uh, which is next week, middle of next week. You hope that if somebody was going to jump ship, they do it after the uh, the regular season ended, so that way you'd have time before that. That um uh, that early signing period to get a new coach in place, otherwise wait until after the signing period, the early signing period, uh, at which point maybe after bowl games that carousel might spin. The other part of the coaching carousel is, of course, when the NFL regular season ends and you you have sort of that Black Monday in the NFL after Week 17, and coaches start getting fired and staff turnover happens, and that you know throughout the early parts of January. Is where you see that next wave of coaching turnover with guys that move into NFL jobs. So I would not rule out the possibility. Uh, both Tommy Robinson and Corey Raymond uh, have interviewed for NFL jobs in the past, uh, and Jerry Sullivan. So that's one offensive and one defensive assistant. I'm not saying you're going to lose those guys. I'm just saying, like, like you know, the opportunity has to be there. It's not like you just. It's not like you you just leave for the NFL. You know what I mean? You there has to be a job open. There has to be a, a head coach that wants to interview you and consider you for a staff position and then ultimately hire you to that position. So it's not like you just leave for the NFL, but like, like you're just graduating, like you're moving from Louisiana to Texas. Well, I'm leaving, leaving Louisiana for Texas. I'm leaving LSU for the NFL. There's, there's got to be a job there. So we'll see if those guys have an opportunity. If they do, one or both may jump. And the, the other one is Jerry Sullivan as well. I know we've talked about. Um, who's 76 years old and had been retired from coaching, was working in a consultant role at LSU. They needed help technically with their wide receivers. I just don't know that Jerry Sullivan wants to maintain that schedule and grind. Um, clearly he didn't, which is why he had been retired. So I he And he signed a one-year contract, which in and of itself was very telling. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Sullivan retires after this year, much like Pete Jenkins did a season ago after spending the the one full year with, um, with Ed Ojean on staff. So just a couple of things to keep in mind, but I I do think there will be staff changes. It's just probably going to come after the bowl game when um you know when that coaching carousel in the NFL starts to spin again. All right, we'll put a button on it here. Another edition of Locked On LSU, your team every day. Have an awesome weekend as always. I'd love feedback. Please uh, rate us, uh, like us on on uh, iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Leave a comment. Uh, retweet. Uh, share a Facebook post. All of that helps. And or just. Tell a friend. All of that helps tremendously. So thank you so much. Have a great weekend until Monday. This is Locked on LSU, your team every day.